Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. I'm very happy to be joined by Johan Barros, our tax policy expert. Johan, can you introduce yourself for us, please? I am the uh, tax policy expert here. I have been working on taxation at Accountancy Europe for about five years now, almost five years. And in the course of these five years, I have become accustomed to the kind of tax policy landscape of the uh, European Union here in Brussels. So this is exactly why we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, now that we have the new European Commission in place, um, which commissioner do we go to for tax issues? <laughs> starting with uh, starting with an easy easy question. I think in the past commission it was quite simple. You wanted to talk about tax, you went and you met with Commissioner Moscovici. It's not as as easy for the um, new commission. In this new commission, we can name up to four commissioners. So um, starting with the uh, most obvious one, we have uh, Paolo Gentiloni. And what's he in charge of? So Paolo Gentiloni is in charge of uh, DG Taxit, so he's the closest person that we could refer to as Moscovici's direct successor, so to say. So he's in charge of, as I said, DG Taxit, and DG Taxit is the tax department of the commission that comes up with the actual legislative proposals. So um, won't he be in charge of everything? Well, um, not really, because um, there's a new interesting hierarchy um, in this new um, European Commission of Ursula von der Leyen. Gentiloni is a commissioner, whereas there are three other individuals, executive vice presidents um, relevant to taxation, that are kind of above him in the hierarchy. And if I understand correctly, there are in fact three levels within her commission. She has regular commissioners, she has vice presidents, and then executive vice presidents above above those. So these are executive vice presidents exactly. you're talking about. Okay. Exactly, precisely. Great. precisely. And uh, speaking about their, uh, their portfolios then, so as I mentioned, Paolo Gentiloni is in charge of DG Taxit, and he's, the commi- he's a commissioner for taxation. Above him, we have, um, first of all, Executive Vice President Margaret Vestager from Denmark. She is in charge of the new Commission's digital digitalization agenda. This also means that she is um, in charge of any tax initiatives that are relevant to the digital economy. Second, we have Executive Vice President Franz Timmermans from the Netherlands, and he is in charge of the European Union's Green Deal the Green Deal is the Commission's new strategy for um, generating a sustainable transition in the Europe's economy. And this means that Timmermans is actually going to be coordinating and leading on any tax initiatives relevant to the sustainability, to the environmental uh, aspect. What kind of um, taxes go into this area? So what we know so far on this new Commission's plan for, for sustainability is um, two things. So first of all, next year the European Commission is intending to review its energy tax directive. And as part of this energy tax directive, the Commission will see whether the existing tax incentives, for example, for the kerosene kerosene uh, tax incentive for the aviation and maritime sectors, are still fit for purpose, 
or whether indeed we should get rid of those incentives. Okay, I think we're going to dive into those in a bit more detail yeah. because uh, for those of us who aren't experts on uh, energy tax directive yeah. and the kerosene tax, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but yeah. um, keep going with your executive uh, vice president. Yeah, indeed. And then finally, um, we have the third executive vice president above, um, above uh, Gentiloni, um, Valdis Dombrovskis from uh, Latvia. And he's in charge of, of the capital market integration financial services files of the European Commission. From his side of relevance to taxation, um, we can ex- expect potentially some tax proposals that are aiming to remove sing- tax, tax barriers to the single market, um, single market when, it, when it comes to cross-border investment in the EU. And how can you see these four commissioners interacting yeah, so um, indeed, you could you could see that uh, we have here poor poor Gentiloni, who is officially in charge of the tax tax agenda, but then he has these three very powerful uh, executive vice presidents above his head. Well, I wouldn't personally feel too sorry for Gentiloni. I mean, first of all, I think the fact that he has three vice presidents above him is quite a quite a prestigious thing indeed. And I feel that a lot of times tax is noted as one of the few areas where people want more Europe. So it's kind of unsurprising in a way that uh, the European Commission is getting involved on the tax agenda. How about the European Parliament? Is anything happening there? Yes, actually there is. Um, We're expecting the European Parliament this year to set up its new permanent tax committee. Now, just a quick recap to those who have not been following this these developments. Um, In the past term, the European Parliament had what we call ad hoc tax committees. And it sounds like these were very activist tax committees. (laughs) They were very activist indeed because they were were reactive. So you would have these big tax scandals like uh, like Panama Papers, Paradise Papers, LuxLeaks. And in the aftermath of each of these tax scandals, there was a lot of political anger and momentum for the EU to do something about these And scandals. so the MEPs who don't normally have the right to initiate legislation really got the ball rolling on a few things. Yes, absolutely. So um, as you said at the beginning, the European Parliament officially does not have any powers on tax. However, we saw in the last term that the Parliament was very successful in setting the tax agenda of the, of the Commission through these ad hoc committees that I mentioned. And that brings me to the permanent committee that the Parliament is going to be setting up now. This is going to be a permanent forum in which the MEPs can keep the tax debates ongoing, the tax ball rolling, and continue to accumulate pressure, political pressure on the Commission to continue to be active on tax. And I know you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the Parliament at any given moment. Um, who is um, slated to become the chair of this committee? Well, the latest I have heard on these discussions has been, first of all, that the um, socialists and democrats are going to be getting the chairmanship of this new tax committee. As to who um, who exactly, which MEP would be this chairman um, or chairwoman, it's, there's a lot of rumours going on, and I understood there's a lot of debate going on inside the parliament. I, I wouldn't go too much into speculation in this context. Having said that, um, we have, for example, next week um, in our tax day, um, the MEP Paul Tang, the socialist Dutch MEP speaking, and we hope that he will maybe give an update to us on what is the current state of play concerning the chairmanship of the tax committee. Okay, so now that we have the structure of the commission uh, in place and we have an idea of who's doing what, what are the big issues that are going to be seen about tax in the, in the coming year? I would identify up to three trends. 
first of them is um, the so-called digitalization of the economy and digital taxation. The second one would be, and we touched upon it very briefly earlier, the green tax agenda. And third and finally, we are still going to see some of that anti-avoidance and anti-evasion momentum that we had in the last term. Now, I know there are a lot of people who believe that the tax system is, is out of date. And I think these challenges that you've just uh, brought up yeah. begin to show um, th that the tax system isn't quite working for, yeah. for the economy as it is right now. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about where you see it needs to change and, and the changes you think will be coming from the EU institutions. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Well, based on the Commission's agenda, um, we can definitely see a very big focus on digital taxation. The momentum for this began a few, few years back when EU member states, France um, at the forefront, started considering national digital taxes. The, the, the motivation for these so-called national digital taxes um, was to impose additional taxes on large digital um, businesses, um, online platforms, um, social networks and such, because the thinking was that these large multinationals, digital multinationals, are not paying their fair share of taxes where um, their profits are actually generated. Because um, the tax system normally has been designed for a company that ha is taxed in the physical location where the company exists. Indeed. But the digital economy um, allows companies to make profits uh, in jurisdictions where they are not registered. So I guess if I understand correctly, these national yeah. digital uh, taxes are meant to recognize the, the profits that are being made, for example, in France yeah. by a, a large uh, tech company. Yeah, I mean, that's the um, that's definitely the uh, the motivation or that's the argument put forward by the proponents of such taxes. So in France, indeed, um, the French government um, maintains that uh, certain digital companies make a lot of profits by virtue of having a lot of users, online users, registered on their platform for, platforms, for example, in this case in France. So the company doesn't even have to have a physical presence in France as such, a taxable physical presence. It just has a lot of registered users in France that submit their data, personal data, consumer data on that digital uh, platform. And all this data then is valuable and on this data these companies um, generate value and additional profits. So uh, what's the approach to this? Because this, um, as we can imagine, it goes even beyond the EU. Yeah. Um, so how can we approach a, a global problem of this yeah. scale? Yes, so indeed. So the, 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 the main issue was going to be, um, as I mentioned, all these national digital tax initiatives with France and several other countries in Europe as well. And then this generated momentum for the European Union to do something about it, because the problem was obviously that if you have a patchwork of different national taxes around the world or around Europe, then it's going to be a regulatory nightmare. It's going to be an absolute mess. Um, so hence the motivation for the European Union to take action. And then from the European Union becoming active in this arena, the OECD also became more proactive and more active. And what does the OECD's work look like on, on this topic? So currently, and actually this is a big year for the OECD as well, currently the OECD is negotiating on an international, international tax reform as part of an inclusive framework um, approach. What this inclusive framework means um, is that actually we have a number of developing countries, so not only the wealthy traditional OECD countries, but the number of developing countries are on the table as well as part of the negotiations. So we're talking about 137, 140 countries or so 
um, negotiating on these tax reforms. Ah, so this is a big debate to really reform yeah. how tax is thought about. Yeah. Um, to also incorporate smaller uh, countries yeah. that don't necessarily get their voice heard exactly. uh, in the larger tax debate. Exactly, and that also uh, that also links to the um, to the broader scope of this reform um, 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 in general, because it is not only about digital taxation; it is also about um, so-called minimum taxation. So the OECD is working in two pillars currently. The first pillar, pillar one, is dealing with reforming the tax system to make sure that digital companies pay their fair share of taxes. And then you have Pillar 2, which is dealing with it's establishing an international framework for minimum taxation. Okay, so that's digital tax, um, somewhat sorted. Um, and that, I also imagine, follows, falls under Vestager's uh, portfolio at EU level. Yes, indeed. So um, in terms of the European Union's approach to the OECD work, um, the European Commission and Vestager have confirmed that if the OECD fails to find an agreement in the course of this year on, on, on this international tax reform, then the European Commission might resume its work on, uh, on an EU-only approach. The European Commission also interestingly said um, that if there is no scope or appetite um, for an EU approach, because a number of EU member states might block that, the Commission could still be ready to support the national taxes of certain EU member states. Yeah, and I believe that uh, the clock is really ticking on this one as member states are already beginning uh, work on their own digital taxes nationally and yeah. um, causing quite some outcry in a bigger context. So um, very eager to see how this develops this year. Yeah. But let's not spend all of our time on digital tax, exciting though That's it is. Um, we touched briefly on the green taxes earlier. Mm -hmm. um, let's dig into those in a big, bit more detail about what is a green tax and how uh, will the EU look to, to take advantage of those? Yeah, indeed. Um, so as I briefly uh, mentioned earlier as well, um, the purpose of the green taxes is to make sure that the tax system supports the European Commission's um, sustainability agenda. So that the tax system is fine-tuned in a way that it supports the green, green transition of the economy. In practice, this means getting rid of tax incentives for um, harmful, polluting, fossil fuel energy sources and or introducing tax incentives for greener energy alternatives. I think one uh, you touched on before was the kerosene exemption. Yeah. How is this one progressing politically? And what exactly is the kerosene tax? So, so currently we have a tax imposed on a number of, uh, a number of uh, energy, energy sources. Due to international agreements, there is currently a tax exemption. So there is no tax imposed on, on uh, kerosene used by, um, by the aviation and the maritime sectors, presumably in order to foster international trade and international movement of people and goods, etc., etc. That's actually quite shocking to learn, because yeah. <laughs> if we think about uh, international cruise ships and yeah. the, the footprint that they have and that they're not taxed on their kerosene, wow. Yeah. You would imagine that, uh, indeed, you would imagine mm. that they're taxed, but uh, yeah tax systems can be quite surprising. So indeed, so the Commission will will consider getting rid of these tax exemptions if possible, and if, if, if they can align this with the international agreements that the EU has committed itself to, and also as, a, as part of a wider revision of the energy tax directive. And what does that mean, the energy tax? Or um, could you just dive into that in a bit more detail? I mean, essentially, it's about imposing a higher price on, 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 what, on what we want less of. Hmm. So in this case, for example, coal. Mm -hmm. So imagine having a higher tax tax on coal, a higher price on coal, 
um, than having on solar energy. So you, you introduce a tax incentive for solar energy in parallel to a higher tax on coal. And who will be um, responsible for paying that? Will it be the individual user or will this be at corporate level only? And maybe this is a, a far too detailed, but just maybe in general, if you if, because if we think about taxes, yeah. we think of taxes that we pay, yeah. but then there's also taxes that companies pay. So yeah. um, where would this energy tax, no doubt um, a large corporation would be hit quite heavily by yeah. an energy tax of that? that well, scale. actually, Andrea, a lot of the um, tax experts that we, that we talked to um, tend to think that actually almost any tax that you impose on companies, for example, um, will trickle down on the consumer. So at the end of the day, and that is the, that, that is what the critics say, at the end of the day, it is always the end consumer that ends up paying the bill. Uh, because it filters through to the pricing yeah. and then the prices get higher yeah, exactly. to everything. Yeah, yeah that's that's not uh, uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> on that uh, slightly depressing note, maybe we can um, move on to ethics. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen scandals, we've seen the MEPs um, rallying cry to uh, end tax avoidance. Mm -hmm. um, also, we see fewer scandals of genuinely illegal uh, transactions, but barely legal scandals seem to be uh, popping up more and more frequently, where yeah. through um, manipulating rules in different jurisdictions, um, companies can get away with not paying the tax that they are supposed to, but they are getting away with this legally. So yeah. uh, can you tell us what, what's the agenda on uh, trying to, to sort out this thorny issue? Yeah, definitely. And just a quick note on that as well. So indeed, with the digital and the green tax agendas, I think the, the mood in the town has been a bit, a bit along the lines of, does this then mean that there is now less focus on these tax scandals, on tax avoidance, on tax evasion? What I have seen so far, that's definitely not the case. Um, so we're expecting, for example, very shortly um, around March, a new legislative proposal and a communication from the European Commission on the fight against uh, tax evasion. And we're also expecting a communication from the Commission around the same time on business taxation for the 21st century. So we expect these to contain some elements of, of, of that kind of continuing fight against uh, aggressive tax planning and tax evasion advice. At our tax day that's taking place uh, next week, we're not necessarily seeking to take a strong stance as an organization, but at, at the, as a minimum, and this is what I personally ver find very exciting, that as a minimum what we want to do is to provide a platform for the relevant stakeholders to discuss this matter. So we have, for example, um, Oxfam in our panel next week um, setting out the civil society's expectations for tax and ethics um, towards, towards businesses. And we have in that same panel then um, representatives from the investor community and from the accountancy profession explaining what these stakeholders are doing to address this um, societal, civil societal demands. I think you've given us a good uh, overview of what to expect in yeah. 2020. So thank you very much for your, uh, your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This episode was made by Andrea Campbell and Elida Nijar. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin McLeod with a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.